Great news for Informed Pregnancy Plus subscribers. Dive into our Core Connection course included with your subscription. Hosted by Natalie Headings, a pre- and postnatal exercise specialist and ACSM certified personal trainer, she's an incredible teacher. This five-video series equips you with essential insights to understand what your pelvic floor and core are, how they work, and how to enhance pelvic floor and core strength and proper function during and after your pregnancy and birth. Learn about pelvic floor basics, key postural adjustments, effective muscle releases, and breathing techniques for a healthier core and floor. Don't wait. Visit informedpregnancy.tv and get started with the invaluable core connection today. Welcome to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Elliot Berlin, and I'm joined today by co-host Kristen Polisi. Kristen became a mother for the first time this year. Congratulations! And she's in the midst of finishing her chiropractic training at University of Southern California Health Sciences, where she got stuck interning with me. Sorry. Her work with our prenatal clients and her own journey through motherhood have left her on a quest searching for information that can be helpful to new moms. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Our guest today, Bailey Gaddis, is an Ojai, California-based childbirth preparation educator, birth doula, and hypnotherapist. She contributes to media outlets such as Disney's Babel, Huffington Post, Cosmo, Redbook, and others, and is the author of a fascinating book called Feng Shui Mommy. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks so much. By the way, those are all my favorite magazines. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> <laughs> So you have so much interestingness to you. I, before we even talk about this book, I got to find out how you became you. When did you get interested in birth-related stuff? Yeah, well, I used to work in the IVF field a long time ago. I was an egg donor coordinator and a surrogacy coordinator. My mom's been an IVF nurse for 25 years. Oh, wow. So that's what I did before becoming pregnant. And she was also a hypnobirthing practitioner. So when I became pregnant with my son, she started to teach me hypnobirthing. I became addicted to pregnancy <laughs> and and how to make it more comfortable. Um, I really was convinced when I actually went through childbirth and was able to have a fairly comfortable unmedicated birth. Of course, it was challenging and intense, but it really um, sold me on how effective it can be to to work with your mind-body connection during birth. So, so somewhat in your blood. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like yes. a family business kind of. Yes, I have doctors, nurses that are in the family, and I never thought I would ever go into a hospital in relation to work. I thought that that was so strange, and my mom said, well, I don't know, just see what see what happens. And sure enough, I go to a hospital about once every other week to support a woman in birth. As a doula. As a doula, as a birth doula. So, so first you studied hypnobirthing for yourself. Exactly. With your mother. Yes. And then... You became a hypnobirthing specialist? Yes. About when my son was about three months old, I thought, I still do not know nearly enough about this. I want to learn more. I'm really interested in this. So I took he and my husband down to San Diego for a week, became certified, started teaching about a month later. And then about six months after that, clients started asking if I could attend their births. And I got really freaked out and thought, oh, I, I don't know enough about that. So I went back to, to the Hypnobirthing Institute and became trained through them as a birth doula. Wow. So your clients from teaching the classes exactly. wanted you to be there. Yeah, and yeah. You're, you're, I, mean, I don't know if you're always this calming, but you kind <laughs> of have just a very calming energy. Thank you. That I would associate with Ojai. Yeah, yes. It is very <laughs> Ojai, isn't it? Yeah, I think my um, my training that I got after my birth doula training as a hypnotherapist, it was very intensive and gave me some of that, but also just being a mom and trying to um, stay calm. <laughs> a calm mom. Survive. Yeah, exactly. Survive. Yeah, I adopted the calm mom voice. Yes. What, um, how, for you, for your own pregnancy and birth, 
How did hypnobirthing help you? You said you had an unmedicated birth that was, I think you called it fairly comfortable. Fairly comfortable. Yeah. I wasn't even fairly comfortable at the birth of our <laughs> child. So, <laughs> Yeah, I think it just gave my mind somewhere else to go. Um, when I first became pregnant, I was told, well, just, just get an epidural, um, which I think is still a great option for some women. But for me, I, I felt like I'm not sure if that's, if that's what I want. And, and so, but I had a lot of fear. I had a lot of fear about the, the pain, you know, because I've always been told it's the most painful experience you'll ever go through. And so I thought, okay, well, of course. I'll just get the meds. But as I started to learn, you know, about what my body would actually be doing during birth and, you know, the release of endorphins and just got more educated, I thought maybe I can do this um, without medication. And I want to. There's plenty of women that don't want to do that, which is fine. But for me, that was really something I wanted to explore. So, so during birth, although, of course, I experienced that pain, but through the training, I was able to perceive it as something different because I knew there was nothing wrong with it. You know, it's really one of the only times in life where you feel such intensity in your body, but there's nothing wrong with you. You're not broken. You're just having a baby. I mean, we're, we're so used to pain being associated with something danger. Exactly. Right? And so right. our nervous system is by design meant to kick in and protect us from that danger. Right. Yes. So through hypnobirthing, you're able to tell yourself, and I think other cultures actually have the concept of pain that's good for you. Like, And and we sort of do, but not in this setting. So it's sort of, we go to the gym and pay people to torture us. No pain, no gain. You know? <laughs> exactly. But then all of a sudden, because yeah. I, I remember I had a, a patient who was an Iron Woman competitor and she won in her category. And I asked her, what what's your birth plan going to be? Just out of curiosity to see what she was leaning towards. And she said, oh, I'm going to get the epidural right away. Right. And I said, oh, why? Um, not in a judgmental way. It just surprised me because she's so tough. Right. And she's like, wow, you know, that's that's so painful. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. You, do, you torture yourself <laughs> right. in wow. ways that I can't even read about without being in pain. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you're, if you're not going to able to do this, nobody is going to be able right. to do this. And right. she actually just didn't know that there were benefits to not having the epidural. She's like, yeah. you know, why should I not have it? Right. And so I gave her some things to read just to get a more well-rounded perspective. And, and she she killed it. She did it, you know, no no medication. But she went in with a very open birth plan. She's like, I don't know. I've never been there. Don't know right. what it's going to be like. Right. I mean, and we don't know. It's always unknown. We can prepare as much as possible. But then I always equate it to actors. You know, they put in so much preparation. They learn their lines. But then when they actually perform, they kind of let it all go. And I, I think of birth like that. You know, you have your plan. You go to your classes. You become informed. But then when you step into it, you, you don't know what your body's going to do. And, and hopefully you have people around you that you trust that can make sure that you and baby are safe, which is, you know, really what we all want. That's our first priority. But yeah, to just kind of let it all go. And talking about movies, I feel like a lot of movies or anything that we really know about birth, they kind of portray birth as a trauma, yes. right? Like you ever see in a movie, it's uh -huh. like the lady screaming at the top of her lungs <laughs> and she's like, ah, Gonna, then like there's some comedy and they're like oh the baby's crowning because she's like screaming in the other room it's and, like, funny that you her say that hand. yeah <laughs> I had a client who was shooting a, a TV show while she was pregnant and they made her character pregnant and mm -hmm. on her last day of shooting her character gives birth yeah and they did the birth scene, and then all of a sudden, you know, the notes back from from her director were bigger. We want bigger, louder. It's not, you know, not enough drama, basically. Right, yeah. So she had to do it again, bigger and louder, mm -hmm. to pretend give birth to the, her character's baby. And on the last take, her her actual water <gasps> broke. Oh, my, oh my gosh. gosh. And she wasn't far from <laughs> her due amazing. date. But it's, she said it was so surreal. She's surrounded by all these, wow. you know, she's in a hospital gown surrounded by people that look like doctors and residents and nurses. And, uh, and they all start fainting. And they're like, oh, my goodness, what's, what do we do? <laughs> and she's like, that's nothing. Great. I'm going home to take a shower and yeah. I'm going to have my baby. Yeah. yeah. So, wow. But that's you're right. The drama, that's what we're exposed to when mm -hmm. it comes to childbirth is, uh, is drama. Kristen, did you use any kind of childbirth education tools before? Because you just had a baby less than a year ago. Uh, yeah. I actually did the Bradley method. And that's where I went to go learn more about birth. And then we took, I think, some like – small lactation classes through the local hospital. Did but you I, find them helpful? I did, actually. The Bradley Method, I think, gave us really good tools 
um, not only uh, just about birth in general, which I think I've been exposed to from school because I was mm-hmm. kind of right in the middle of all of our education. So you're just like, I know where my uterus is. <laughs> <laughs> so That's people, the first step. <laughs> yeah. um, which I thought I was, you know, ahead of the game, but uh-huh. I guess not. <laughs> but um, I think it also really helped my husband figure out how to help me. Right. Because I didn't uh, think that I was going to use a, a doula, but then I went to a midwife, which I loved. Yeah. And um, I, he was like, but I want to be your doula. And I'm like, <sighs> okay. <laughs> so it really inspired him, actually, to kind of be really, really um, involved. And he wanted to be the first person to touch our son. Yeah. And he got to. That's really uh, cool. So, yeah, I think it more inspired him and made me feel more calm and less fearful. It's funny. I'm a doula and my wife's a doula. And every time we have a baby, we hire a doula. And (laughs) I think it's because at our own birth, I want to be the husband, the loving, supporting partner, Mm -hmm. which is a totally different role, at Mm -hmm. least in my mind, than the doula. Um, But it's neat that that dads and partners are getting a lot more hands-on than they used to be. I mean, up until roughly the 70s, we weren't even allowed in the room. It was sort of like we're outside pacing, having a cigar and chocolate bar, and eventually (laughs) they tell you your kids are like, woo, we did Uh it. Uh, And now all of a sudden, it was a quick shift, and all of a sudden it's like not only you were allowed in, but now you're the coach. Good luck. You know, (laughs) we don't know what to do. uh... (laughs) And and I think for some dads, it's probably terrifying if you're not like in that mind space, Mm -hmm. you know, like – I would be terrified myself. <laughs> like, how do I, I help you? You know, and you see your partner in, in this intensity pain. and right. pain, and and sometimes I, I feel like when I'm a doula and I see uh, the laboring woman's mother in the room, mm-hmm. you know, she sees her daughter in pain and yeah. freaks out, and she like goes to tackle the anesthesiologist, <laughs> and her daughter's like, "No, mom, I don't want that right now." <laughs> it's hard, you know. Yeah. So. yeah. Is uh, you, did you Bailey become a hypnotherapist se- uh, separate from your hypnobirthing training? I did because so it was kind of similar to the birth doula story. I had clients asking, "Oh, can I do private sessions with you for hypnotherapy?" And I said, uh, "I just have these <laughs> scripts that I was given. Uh, let me go back to school." So I spent a year. I went to HMI. It's a school in Los Angeles for hypnotherapy. Oh my gosh! How it was like seven to eight hundred hours of training. Oh, it was really wow. intensive, but amazing. And so I have my my private practice, and I mainly work with pregnant women, new moms, and and children. But you can do general hypnotherapy exactly. As well. Yes, yeah. Seven to eight hundred hours of training sounds like a lot immediately. But I went to massage therapy school, which was a thousand hours of training. But at least like three hundred of that, you're being massaged by somebody. Oh, that so, sounds amazing. I did right. not get that. It's not. <laughs> hypno- you're life. not being hypnotized for many yeah. of those hours. No, no. Yeah. Well, actually, yeah, that was a nice part. Yeah. I did get some practice with that. Yeah. Some schools <laughs> are point. easier than other schools. Right. Yeah. 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 Not as good as massage school, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is I a think nice chiropractic school and massage school at the same time. So I was in chiropractic school from like 7 to 4, and then I'd run over to the massage school and be yeah. there from like 6 to 10 at night time. Oh my gosh. There was a lot of overlap, but sometimes, you know, when, when your partner's practicing on you, they need feedback, and uh-huh. I'm just like, my only feedback was like... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> 30 seconds into I guess that's good feedback. Yeah. yeah, unless they touch my feet. I'm the most ticklish person on the planet. <laughs> When I graduated, they dubbed me Tickle Me Elliot. Oh, my gosh. That <laughs> that's, is that's amazing. <laughs> so you have this um, trio of things that you bring to birth. Um, you have hypnobirthing and your hypnotherapist and a childbirth mm-hmm. e- and, and a childbirth educator. But is that the yeah. hypnobirthing? So I, I still teach the hypnobirthing, but just through – the the last three and a half years of, of being a doula and just being exposed to so many different types of birth. I also have um, a, a separate method that I've just started to teach, and it draws upon all of the experiences I've had, the training I've had. Um, that's mainly an online course right now. Most of my in-person classes are still mainly hypnobirthing, but it, it just um, touches a little bit more on the, the pain aspect in a good way. Um, hypnobirthing is amazing, but we really don't talk much about the intensity. And so I've had the feedback from some women of, I really didn't feel prepared for how how intense um, I, I felt. And, and I felt like I I wish I had known a little bit more that it, it would be like that. And, of course, every woman experiences it differently. Um, so there, there's a lot of differences with that in, in my class. But one of the things I do is talk about 
how intense it will be, but you know, tools to reframe that pain and and to to manage it so they do feel like they're there's not something wrong with them. Mm-hmm. You know, if they go in and they're doing the breathing, they're doing all the tools, but they're still feeling all that intensity. It's like, yeah, you, you might still because some a people lot. talk about feeling like I must be doing it wrong because exactly. I still feel pain. Exactly. Yeah. But everybody's different. I mean, I do see. I feel like. My observations as a male doula, um, <clears throat> that it's sort of a mix between three things, uh, pain and um, pressure mm-hmm. and pleasure sometimes. Yeah, right. So uh, the three Ps. But and but it's all intensity that you're just not used to. So intensity right. is scary. Yeah. The other thing that's interesting is I just was at a birth last night where I saw this again where labor came on kind of quickly mm-hmm. and um, it's not that – that textbook that we talk about where it's going to come on slow yeah. and get bigger <laughs> and they're only 30 seconds apart and you can talk right. through them, right. bam, it hit. Mm-hmm. And um, you could see like the fear of a deer in headlights mm-hmm. on her every time the um, contraction would come. And yeah. then she would use every muscle and organ in her body to fight it oh, yeah. and not relax into it. Mm-hmm. And, and they're, you know, in her case, they just came right on top of each other, mm-hmm. one after another after another. And in your mind, you're like wondering, hmm, that's sort of like what active labor looks like. And you mm-hmm. start to wonder, maybe she's more progressed than we thought and it's just moving very quickly. Mm-hmm. And of course, then the midwife checks her and she's three centimeters. So the interesting thing about it was she, there's nothing anybody could do because my superpower is I do a lot of body work. Uh-huh. So if things are easing in and it's getting more intense, I can use uh, massage and reflexology mm-hmm. and cranial sacrotherapy and mm-hmm. just even cranial massage and jaw release yeah. to help calm her down, feel safe so that the intensity mm-hmm. feels more like pressure and pleasure than pain. But when it comes on that quickly, just even any more touch just makes it too much. It's already yeah. too overstimulating. Um, and in her case, what happened was she was starting to find her rhythm a little bit mm-hmm. and she had to pee. And when she sat alone mm-hmm. in the bathroom for a minute is where she found her groove. Nobody around her, nothing around her. Yeah. And you could see over the next 20 minutes her endorphins kicking in, mm-hmm. like her own medications kicking right. in from the inside out. And she got very comfortable into a beautiful rhythm awesome. and eventually in the tub and, you know, labored down to have her baby. Right. But I think we also, we forget sometimes at that point, her husband was like, there's no way she's going to make it. I'm like, yeah. no, it changes. Like there are, there are phases of labor, it mm-hmm. changes, and she is going to get relief. It's just going to come from inside. Yeah. And I feel like probably hypnosis um, helps you you know, ride through that period and bring your defenses down a little bit. Right, right. And I feel like that's one of the reasons for a lot of women I've worked with and for myself as well, actually, like the the first few hours are actually the trickiest um, because, and they're starting to listen to maybe hypnosis recordings or I'm doing a little bit with them, but, but it's so new and it's so overwhelming and they haven't found their groove. I mean, that's a great way to put it. And, and even though, you know, usually a few hours later, it's more intense, they've like settled into like this rhythm with with the contractions and they figured out like okay when I breathe like this I get relief or when somebody presses my back ju- just like this I, I get relief um, they find a recording or, or I say something that just like triggers relief in them and so I'll say maybe that affirmation over and over and over again but it's like the the deeper we get into birth for a lot of them for some of them, they say the more comfortable I get or, or the safer I feel. That, that's what I've heard a lot. The safer I, I felt so much safer as we, we got deeper into it. Mm-hmm. I think because if you feel safe, your sympathetic nervous system is able to shut down exactly. even when you feel pain or intensity. Right, right. Is there a difference between um, hypnosis and meditation? So the main difference is with meditation, and there's so many different types of meditation, but I'll, I'll just talk about the type where you just close your eyes and you let your mind go wherever it wants to go. Um, with hypnosis, we're very intentional about the language that we use. So your body, it's a similar feeling in your body, you know, being relaxed, but being aware. Um, but the the hypnotherapist, you know, when you're doing hetero hypnosis, which is somebody hypnotizing you, it could be a recording, it could be somebody that's there in person. Um, we, again, use really specific language uh, that's very gentle, especially with birth, very loving, very positive. We're not dredging up like old scary memories. You know, we're very much in the present. And and about um, figuring out what they what they want to be feeling and how they want to be breathing, and um, and yeah, with meditation, their mind kind of goes wherever. But yeah, with with hypnosis, I'm I'm their guide. It's very directed down the trail, exactly. 
And what about for somebody? Because I know for me, I know I didn't. I was trying to decide between Bradley Method and hypnobirthing, yeah. and I went to that way because whenever I do a guided meditation, even uh-huh. if I'm guided, I fall asleep. Uh huh. And like I can't stay present. Yeah. So I was like, maybe that's not for me. So how do you help people understand like how even if it's not meditation doesn't mm-hmm. work or not that it doesn't work for you, but mm-hmm. how do you help them understand if that would work for them? I guess. Yeah. Well, that's a great question. Um. So with hypnosis, we're really talking to the subconscious mind, and and it's really common for people to feel like they've fallen asleep when really a lot of times they're at a level even deeper than sleep. And so while their conscious mind isn't totally present and focusing on what's being said, the idea is that your subconscious mind is listening and absorbing the messages. Um, I've had plenty of, of clients that, that come in and, and they say, oh, God, I totally fell asleep during that one, but I'll ask them some questions later, and they remember. They can recall like what Ooh, I had been saying, even though they they felt like they had been asleep. It's like you weren't actually, you know, it's and that's why it's such a um, restorative practice. It's really nice for pregnant women who have like insomnia um, or need to take a quick nap during the day. You know, they can listen to a 15 minute recording and feel like they've just been asleep for two hours. That's Hmm. really interesting because I have a medical background in terms of emergency medicine. I worked on ambulances for a long time as a medic and uh, sometimes uh, Unfortunately, more than once, I was involved with uh, situations with people who I knew, friends of mine, Mm. that were unconscious after Mm -hmm. trauma. And um, in both of those particular cases that I'm thinking of, uh, one really clearly sticks out at me where she was unconscious for a while. Mm. And people came to visit her and doctors came to look at her. And uh, when she came to, when she really came to, she, she, she had questions about everybody who had been there. Wow. Hmm. That's fascinating. But she was unconscious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that in, I've been to a bunch of Scientology births, and mm-hmm. I can't speak to it specifically because I've never studied Scientology, but they have this concept of being quiet, of not having any noise during a contraction. Mm-hmm. Because I think the way it was explained to me was during that contraction, there's some there's pressure on the baby mm-hmm. and that any kind of, of talking or voice or noise – um, that takes place, then will be ingrained in the baby. That's interesting. And so, you know, I guess they don't want a whole bunch of cusses. Right, right. <laughs> well, I, I hate that. this baby. <laughs> Get out of me, you uh-huh. baby. Uh, you know, and things like that. That's my my sense on where that comes from. So it's yeah. really interesting. Well, and especially some women that, that get the, like, really high-pitched kind of scream, and that really takes them out of themselves. And a lot of times they, they get kind of shaky and they, they tense up. And so I tell women, if you want to make a sound, that's fine, but keep it, like, really low and guttural, and that actually helps to support the natural expulsive reflex and and just, yeah, support all aspects of them. What about somebody who may be, like, a type A personality where you, like, really need control? Does that – does hypnobirthing help someone like that or does that – is it for, like, a certain type of person? Does it Because, I mean, not everything works for everyone. But right. do you have, like, certain tools maybe to create um, – like cater it to types of people? Is that how hypnobirthing can work? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think it definitely works well for a lot of type A women. I know that I am one. Me too. Yeah, it really um, helped me because it it helped me realize, okay, I it gives me all these good tools and I, I learned for the most part like what might happen during different phases of, of birth. But but most importantly it helped me realize that I need to release a lot of that control and, and it taught me how to do it. You know, because okay. people just saying, Oh, well just just let go of control and you know, it's like, okay, but but how? Like I need you to show me. And so I think a lot of, you know, specifically the, the hypnosis that's used in hypnobirthing can really support the the type A mom in in releasing a bit of that control. Um, and and the longer I've taught the classes, um, usually I just have about two couples in the class so I can really tailor it to, to who they are and what they need. And and I ask them a lot of questions to get an idea of, again, like who they are and, and what type of, of guidance they need. So, yeah, I do make little tweaks as we go mm-hmm. along. Nice. Yeah. I find because we used to, my wife is also a doula and she's a psychologist. <clears throat> we used to do our own childbirth education class, and I, I feel like childbirth educators 
as a whole uh-huh. have a very difficult balance between giving enough information so you don't feel like you're showing up to a mm-hmm. really unusual test completely unprepared. <laughs> right, right. But not so much information that you're, over, you're just constantly overthinking and overprocessing. Right. That would be a challenge by itself. Mm-hmm. And then add to that the fact that everybody's a little bit different. So yeah. how do you – it seems like a tough balance. Sometimes, for example, if we talk about cesarean birth mm-hmm. in a, a general childbirth education class, you sort of have the see no evil, hear no evil. People cover their eyes, ears, and don't want to hear anything about it. Yeah. Um, but I think it's sort of important to talk talk about it because it's going to happen for some people. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know what to expect, it really hits you, I think, a lot harder than if you've been yeah. prepared for it. But then other people don't want to put it into the universe. So Right. Well, and that's one reason in the book I, I do, in a really gentle way, talk about epidurals. And I have a link in the book that, that goes to a page that in a really um, – non-threatening way goes over what happens during a cesarean birth. So the mom can feel prepared, but she doesn't have all the gory details. And then I have, um, after the the vaginal birth preferences in the book, uh, cesarean birth preferences, Mm -hmm. to let the woman know that you, you can still feel empowered and you can still make choices. Um, with an emergency C-section, it's a little bit different, of sure. course. They just have to get in there and do it. But, you know, if it's a scheduled C-section, there are preferences that, that she can request and and she really can tailor the experience. I've had women that were clients of mine that had beautiful cesarean birth experiences and they loved everybody in the room and, and it was this really magical birth, even though it was a surgical birth. So, yeah, I feel like there's, well, there's so many ways. It still is when it's not an emergency. Right. It still is that moment of birth, which is yeah, magical, whether course. the baby comes out an inch higher or an inch lower. Right. But um, it used to be that cesareans weren't safe. Yeah. Women would die. Yeah. And so all of the energy, even though two things were taking place at the same time, a baby's being born and there's a surgical procedure, mm-hmm. all of the focus had to be on the surgical procedure because mm-hmm. we needed to do everything we could to keep that mama and baby safe right. or alive even, right. you know. Uh, by the time 1915 came around, roughly, mm-hmm. we had it down. We had it safe. And we've only improved it since then again yeah. and again and again. So now that it's safe, predictably safe, uh, we can turn down some of the focus, dial it down on the surgery, and mm-hmm. dial up that magical birth experience. Exactly. And I, there are a lot of hospitals that are sort of finding that balance, letting mm-hmm. more people into the room with you, mm-hmm. not strapping your hands down and, and legs down necessarily, uh, being able to see it if you want to see it, being right. able to put the baby right on you if the mm-hmm. baby comes out you know, strong and healthy, mm-hmm. um, and other birth preferences like that. So, yeah, cesarean birth is, is not uh, – is, is not always a, a terrible thing. Right. And nothing to be ashamed of. There's yeah. so much shame. It's like and I've had moms that didn't want to tell anybody and I had to do a lot of work with them on feeling like they could really own that experience and they didn't have to be ashamed of it. I That was one thing that I was talking to Dr. Berlin about a little bit aside from coming to interview you is just how much I, where did all of this competition, I don't even know if it's oh, competition, gosh. but yeah. this energy around it's not a birth or women who had a cesarean section, they didn't really have a birth. Really? Mm-hmm. Because I'm pretty sure a baby came out. <laughs> exactly. So I don't know how it's not. A, like, And you can't voice that. Like when you read these messages, you're, you know. feel for those ladies because, yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe they, they, can, they had contractions. They mm-hmm. had, they felt things you know they of course they, were they pregnant had for nine months of course they had a birth you i think know? cesarean birth yeah. gets a, a bad rep because it's overused it's um yeah right you know i think it's a, an amazing thing that when we need to or want to we can get this baby out safely right. another yeah. way an alternate yeah. route um, the worst thing would actually be someone who needs a cesarean who doesn't have access to one yeah right but not a far runner-up is somebody who doesn't need one and doesn't want one and mm-hmm. gets it pushed on them. And that happens a lot yeah. still yes. in this country. So I think because there's so much push towards medicalization, there's so mm-hmm. much push back against it. Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's sort of dangerous because then you surround yourself with a provider who is responsible for your health and well-being mm-hmm. and they recommend intervention and you don't trust them. Yeah. And yeah, that's tricky. a difficult balance too, also mm-hmm. for childbirth educators because mm-hmm. we're the ones giving them that information. 
Right. Yeah. I, I always encourage asking lots of questions. You know, it's like don't feel like you can't trust them, but feel like you can have a dialogue and you don't just have to say, oh, sure, whatever. It's like ask questions if you're curious, you know, why you need an intervention or what possible side effects will be. Have that conversation, you know, not to say that you're going to start an argument, but, mm-hmm. but just talk to them about it, you know. And, and if dialogue is get... not allowed, then you're probably not with the right provider. <laughs> exactly. Right. So. Exactly. Yeah. But you're fascinating. And I do want to talk about <laughs> feng shui in general. And I want to okay. talk about your book, Feng Shui. Mommy, but we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. We're going to come back with Bailey and talk about this wonderful book. We'll see you in a minute. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by an innovative product that's made a big difference for parents and babies alike Dr. Mom Butt Bomb. As a parent of four, I've had my fair share of battles with diaper rash often resorting to thick, unpleasant pastes. I only recently discovered Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, and I was immediately impressed by its pleasant consistency and ease of application. This pediatric-approved skin protectant is free from dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, making it perfect for your baby's sensitive skin. It's designed by a doctor who's also a mom, ensuring your little one gets the gentlest care. A small dab is all it takes to soothe and protect, avoiding the mess and hassle of traditional treatments. With ingredients like dimethicone and petrolatum, Dr. Mom Butt Bomb not only soothes, but also restores your baby's delicate skin. Available on Amazon.com and Walmart.com, it's the smart choice for every parent wanting to keep diaper rash at bay. Remember, with Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, nothing comes between you and your baby. Not even diaper rash. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. It is Dr. Elliot Berlin here with our co-hosts, Kristen Palacy and Feng Shui Mommy author, Bailey Gaddis. Welcome back. Hi, thanks. Hello. All right, Bailey, we talked about your fascinating like leap <laughs> into everything baby, childbirth yeah. and pregnancy. Um, where does Feng Shui come in? What is Feng Shui? I think most people, it's fun to say. Yeah, it is fun to say, right? Um, So to put it really simply, it's the ancient Chinese philosophy of harmonizing humans with our surrounding environment. So making sure essentially that our environment makes us feel good. And when I I talked earlier about being an IVF coordinator before I had my son, but I also had a home organizing business in Los Angeles. Oh, really? And yeah, and it was interesting because most of my clients were pregnant and they wanted help creating a really serene nursery. And so when I was working on the proposal for the book, I thought, okay, well, I'm really good at helping people create a wonderful environment around them, and and that's really important. But what about the environment within us, you know, our mind, our body, and our spirit? How do we balance that? How do we harmonize that? So... I kind of created my my own definition of feng shui with the book. You know, um, there are, of course, a few chapters that directly focus on literally feng shui and some of the, the main principles of that and um, setting up a really peaceful environment in your bedroom or the nursery, wherever your, your baby will be those first six months. But beyond that, you know, it's about nurturing that, that inner environment for the mother so she can go into motherhood feeling feeling balanced, but but knowing that, of course, we're going to get knocked out of that. You know, it's not a reality for, I don't think, any mom or any human being that they're always going to feel harmonized and balanced. But but to know what it feels like hmm. to have that balance and harmony and to have tools to get back into it when we're kicked out of it. And I guess what to aim for. Exactly. Once you yeah. know what, what it can be like, you right. at least know where you're trying to get. <laughs> exactly. Which exactly. Is half the battle. Yeah. Um, so is feng shui different for different people? That's a good question. Um, In regards to like literal feng shui, when you're using it in your home, there are definitely, I think, different levels. Um, The way I used it was a very simple way, you know, good lighting, uh, having fresh air, utilizing colors in certain ways, not having clutter. That's, in my opinion, number one, Mm. not having... Uh, clutter around you, um, you know, some auspicious objects, and then you can take it a step further and get into, you know, what direction your door faces and, and having a plant in a certain corner of your space, which I think is a ma- 
amazing. Um, but for me, especially when I was a new mom, I just didn't have time to become an expert in in that aspect of it. And I think for a lot of moms, they want quick tools to, you know, reach that that state of balance. And and so yeah, I think for most moms, the the way that I describe feng shui in the book is really relatable and really easy. You know. Yeah. So it's more of a general feng shui is more of a you and is more of a general organization and uh, com- a setting that's comfortable and calming to you. Exactly. That's that's at least how I talk about it in the book. Yeah, which makes sense. I don't know. Did you see the Penn and Teller uh, show about feng shui? No, I wish. They, well, I mean, they did one on chiropractic too. It's <laughs> they had a series called Bullshit. Oh, and, yeah. And uh, they did one on feng shui where they had this house set up and uh-huh. they would bring in all these different feng shui experts. Yeah. And uh, get their advice, you know, hire them to set up their house feng shui. And yeah. one would move the lamp over here and the couch over there. <laughs> yeah. And the next one would come and be like, no, 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 this is yeah. all right. The lamp needs to go over there and the couch oh has gosh. to go over here. Yeah. And they're like, obviously, there's nothing to feng shui. But to me, I didn't take that out of it. I just thought what I took, took out of it was that different people respond exactly to different what's comfortable to you may not be comfortable to me and what uh, I and what I tell people is walk into a space and notice how it makes you feel and that's going to be different for everybody and then make adjustments until you feel good about it you know a one color that makes somebody feel really serene might totally irritate you yeah. you know so with color choices furniture all of that I mean it's really about how it makes you and your family feel which is an individualized for each and every family sure. think about music I mean exactly. some types of music yeah. I love and my, <laughs> my kids are like dad what is that? <laughs> exactly. Does that qualify as music? <laughs> my, my son says, your music is boring. It's like, where did you learn that yeah. word? You're four. This is boring. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, let's, how, how did Penn and Teller feel about that? Yeah, that's great. <laughs> uh, so, Kristen, you read through this entire book. I did. What stuck out to you? Because you're also a new mommy. so Yeah, I think for me, it was the small things. Because you do feel really overwhelmed, I feel like. I f- any new mom I talk to, it's like you're just like, sleep, yeah. I miss sleep. Yeah. And um, I felt when I read it, it was so easy to read and um, it was really funny. So Thanks. you almost <laughs> like then are allowed to put yourself in this thing where you don't have to take yourself so seriously. Yeah. Yeah. So you talk about clutter because I feel like as a new mom, I can never keep anything clean. Yeah. Like, I can't. So when I was reading it, I was laughing like, okay, I could try to do that. And then I come <laughs> home and I'm like, you didn't do it? <laughs> but, but you want to get there. And I think yeah. that it gives you a space to put yourself in a position to to get to a place where you feel comfortable. And I wish I read the book before. You know, it was like one of those things you wish you would you would be like, I would recommend this yeah. to someone because it gives you a lot of things to think about before the baby comes. So maybe then when you get there, you're not so far into the, <laughs> I can't put anywhere anything anywhere because I don't know where anything is. I bet you, <laughs> I bet you get that a lot when you go meet people. Um, that I wished I, I wish we, I had read this before. We made a, a documentaries, a series of birth documentaries, and I hate them. But I get emails all the day from <laughs> all day long from people who say, ah, "I wish I saw these before oh, I had my yeah. birth experience." And, yeah. Well, well, just have another one. That's, uh-huh. that's exactly. Well, and that's say. what I always say. It's like, and I write it in the book. It's like this is the book that I needed to read. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why I'm one of the many reasons I'm looking forward to having another baby. Those are the so. best books. Yeah. yeah. You know, when right. you see something that you wish you had and yeah. then you create it and then yeah. other people benefit from it. Yeah. Speaking of organization, I really like the way you organize the book. Thank it's a you. very organized book. Yes. It's broken down into the four trimesters, which yes. is a funny, <laughs> funny term because I thought tri meant three. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. But you have the first, second, and third trimester that yeah. are traditional. And then what is the fourth trimester? Yeah. So it is what is commonly referred to baby's uh, first three months out of the womb. And, and some people call it like exterior gestation because it's believed that, you know, the brain's not fully developed until about 12 months. But if we waited that long, it would be really difficult to mm-hmm. get that head out of us. Um, <laughs> so, you know, those first three months, the the baby is really vulner- vulnerable. The mother, of course, is really vulnerable. Um, for me, when I look back, that was almost the most difficult, quote unquote, trimester. Because, you know, when you're pregnant, Really, all you need to do is is eat well, get some exercise, don't get too stressed out, drink your water, you know, and your baby hopefully is healthy. But when the baby is out of you during that fourth trimester, you're still hopefully taking care of yourself and your own needs. But then you're, you're playing double duty because the baby needs to be fed and the diapers need to be changed. And there's so much happening. And your body's healing regardless of what type of birth you have. There's a lot of healing to, 
be done. You're getting to know your baby, your new self. I mean, it's so overwhelming. So I really thought it was important to to speak to that and to offer really simple tools and pieces of information that would make that honor with that fourth trimester, quote unquote, easier. Yeah. Seems like there's even the fifth and sixth trimester. Totally, yeah. 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 Maybe yeah. a you sequel. You keep going and going and going. Exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm working on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also want to see uh, Feng Shui Daddy. By the way, yeah, <laughs> we're working on that we too. Need it too, because when when I, you know, <laughs> if I come home from a stressful day and the house is chaotic, yeah, my stress just becomes magnified. If mm-hmm. I come home from uh, a crazy day at work and the house is organized, just mm-hmm. even just organized, yeah, it changes me. It's so settling and relaxing, exactly. and I'll get a good night's sleep because of right. it, and it doesn't snowball into something bigger. Yeah, and I, even as a kid, I remember cleaning my just cleaning my room, not just organizing, but mm-hmm. just stuff's everywhere. It's not a settling feeling, and mm-hmm. then as I start to put that away and close that drawer and mm-hmm. put, put things where they need to be. It slowly transforms into a better habitat. And by right. the end, you just feel good. And in right. fact, I have that with my work that I do. Somebody once asked me, because I see sometimes 15, 16 people in a day, mm-hmm. and I spend a lot of time with our patients. It's always at least 30-minute visit. And they say, how can you do so many of these and not get tired of it? But that's actually how I feel what I'm doing with the body. Mm-hmm. Meaning when you come in and the muscles are all bunched up and jumbled and tight and dysfunctional and the joints are not aligned well or moving well, yeah. Yeah. And slowly but surely, it's, it's for me, it's like literally taking taking a sock and putting it on. I'm releasing that muscle, paving a road that's all unpaved yeah. and putting things back where they need to be. And at the end, when it just, it's so functional, mm-hmm. it actually feels rewarding to me. Yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, it feels rewarding to you. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think the questions that she answers in that fourth trimester are things that it's like, basic things you wouldn't know and if you don't have your family close by or you don't right. have someone who's done it before yeah that's like you're thinking there and you're like yeah what is their poop supposed to look like you know and <laughs> yeah I, I answered the questions that i didn't know yeah, yeah. and even like and then there's even more and then you go and you go to get the information and there's so many right. answers so yeah. it's like a a nice place to okay let me go here because yeah. it tells me at least the basics right and right. i thought that was really nice because i think that is just there's so much information out there and yeah. you go and it could be really overwhelming like you said yeah and yeah yeah and I tried to create something that would yeah again provide that base knowledge but then you know in the book and you've read it so many times I'm like and if you have extra questions ask your care provider you know the one person right. that specifically knows your medical history mm-hmm. and can speak to your unique situation yeah. versus the internet that has no idea. You know, like all the people on the forums, they, yeah. they only get like little pieces of information. So, yeah, I think it's um, hopefully a really good compliment to that professional care. And even this may be an overshare. So sorry. <laughs> Share but, away. Um, you know, I, I really liked also that you didn't just um, you address lactation after mm-hmm. and in the fourth trimester about um, what to expect, kind yeah. of like with how the milk comes in. And if you don't know, like that could be a very scary experience. <laughs> you know? I, I thought that my breasts were going to fall off. Wait, I'm like, oh my God, they're rocks and these boulders are going to fall out of me. I mean, I was terrified. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. And you're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and then I un- unfortunately suffered from hyperlactation. Oh. And that's really not a common thing. Yeah. So I couldn't find a lactation consultant that would help me with it. Interesting. And you mentioned in the book what to look at in your child mm-hmm. if they're, you know, like if their poop is like a certain color that that could mean that. Right. So I had no idea. Oh, and um, And when I would go to lactation consultants, they're like, oh, well, you're pr- overproducing? That's mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. We want them to. I was like, no, but it's not fine for me. Yeah. Like, yeah. so I had a really hard time finding help. So mm-hmm. when I read that, I would have been, I was like, that's one of those oh, moments that I was great. like, I wish I had this oh. book. <laughs> oh, that's so um, nice to but hear. yeah, so I found that that it was really, really informative. Okay. Have you been traveling around with the book? A little bit. Um, <laughs> my publisher said it's really hard to get pregnant women and moms out of the oh, house. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so most of my travel has been doing TV appearances, mm-hmm. um, a few book signings, not, not a lot. And then luckily, you know, radio, podcast. Um, so it's been nice because I haven't had to do so much travel that I'm away from my, my son too much. Yeah. Um, but still, just the little bits and pieces I've done, it's it's been challenging, but but really amazing. And yeah, I've met some amazing moms and women. So I think because you talk about all the different types of pregnancy 
and childbirth and postpartum experiences, you know, you're not focused on one. And there's right. such diversity. Some people want to have the baby at home or at a birthing center. Other people want to have a baby at a hospital. Mm-hmm. Some want a midwife, some want a doctor, medicated, unmedicated, vaginal, mm-hmm. surgical. And it's great that we have choices and options. And, you know, once you take away that judgment, and you make each of those choices and options okay. I mean, the mm-hmm. whole thing about informed pregnancy, our whole concept is to give you information and you make the choice. Exactly. And then we yeah. support whatever choice you make, even right. if it's a choice that I wouldn't make. Yeah, right. And that comes across a lot in your book. So thank you. I bet that when you do go interact with people, you know, it's refreshing for them to hear a hypnobirther, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. so open-minded and warm and accepting and in favor of people making their own choices, no matter what those choices are. Yeah, yeah. I've never met one woman where I feel like, oh, you're making that choice, huh? I mean, I really feel like it's organic for me to support women in in whatever they choose. And and I've met some women, they're like, yeah, I think I'm going to do this because, you know, my mother-in-law wants me to. And, <laughs> and I don't try to stir anything up, but I just ask some questions like, oh, is that what you want? And usually, "Mm, not really. And I ask, oh, well, what do you want? I'm just curious to hear. And then she'll tell me, oh, like I get really excited about thinking about a birth center birth or or whatever, you know, and that gets me really excited, you know, hearing what the the woman authentically wants. And it's so easy for me to get behind that, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. And sometimes you're, I'm sure, the first person that's ever asked you, what do you want? Yeah. Yeah. And for some reason, people feel like it doesn't matter what they want. Yeah, and I think there's a big thing about, you know, especially like woman to woman that it's like if you're making a choice that's different from the choice that I made, you're somehow saying that I made the wrong choice. When, of course, we're not saying that, but I think that's where a lot of that competition comes from is like proving to ourselves like, well, I made the right choice and, you know, and everybody else needs to birth the way I birth to, to validate, you know, my decision. It's like, well, well, no, you know, what the, the choice you made, if you felt good with that, then that was the perfect, unique, right choice for you. For you. Yeah. But that's not necessarily going to be the case for all other women. I almost feel like it's after my friends get married, it's that kind of thing. Like they're, everybody, they're trying to get everybody else to be married. You know? exactly. When you have a kid, they want everybody else to have a kid, too. It's like, makes yeah. me feel better about my choice if other people are exactly, doing it, too. Exactly, exactly. And yeah. then there's like this strange guilt, too, I find, yeah. that some women have that if their birth plan didn't go the way that they had had planned and yeah. then they feel defeated or right. like I couldn't do it. And um, I felt like you addressed that also in the book, Thank just you. understanding um, you kind of try to make it like a safe place. Yeah. Right? Like yes. I think – I thought that's how it came across. That's to me. Def- that was definitely the intention, having the book be a safe place where women could go to become informed but not feel judged and to get in tune with their intuition. Because I think a lot of us, when we're asked, well, what do you want? It's like, uh, I don't know. Like, how do I figure that out? So I, I felt like in almost every chapter, I tried to have this like underlying message of, of getting in touch with that intuition and, and touching base with that, that inner wisdom that I feel like even like children have. You know, we all have that, that voice of the the right unique action for ourselves and and it's easy to lose that you know the older that we get so part of the book was again touching touching base with that voice and then did that inspire those sections from her heart to yours was that kind of where you wanted to go with that um, yeah. I, I felt like there's little parts in throughout the book right where it's different women from I guess where you've met them like where did you meet these ladies how did you yeah. get to want to share their stories so it's a combination of women that I've worked with in person, women that have taken my online courses and have written me stories. And then part of it was um, the Facebook community that I have, you know, just asking like, hey, this is the topic that I'm writing about. You know, do you have any stories that, you know, would work well with it? And so I just kind of curated all the stories and chose the ones that I felt like really worked best with each chapter. Um, and and I just felt like it was really important for women to hear from not just me, but all these other women that had these really unique experiences. And they weren't all just like, oh, Oh, you know, my birth was just so perfect. I mean, there's a lot of challenge in those stories, but but finding the the light in that challenge and finding the lesson in it, and and to just see again that we can all make different choices, and, and that is okay. 
Yeah, I felt like it made it really relatable, Thank no matter real, like where you came, because I didn't have the same experience as them. But I think you yeah. can almost like put yourself in their shoes and be like, wow, that must have been rough for them. Or yeah. I can't believe that someone could do that. It was right. I liked that interesting part of the good. Yeah. Find that connection, some mm-hmm. empathy for other women. Yeah. yeah. When someone's birth plan doesn't go how they wanted, especially if they wanted a, a very natural, if they wanted your birth where, yeah. you know, they did the hypnosis, they felt mildly uncomfortable right. and there was a human at the end of it. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden, for various different reasons, mm-hmm. you know, water breaks, no contractions come, nothing natural is bringing them on. So they get induced, you know, with a little pitocin, which turns into more and other, inter- whatever it is, it's mm-hmm. it's these snowball effects of intervention, which I think even used under the best intentions, mm-hmm. leave women sometimes feeling let down from the birth plan that they wanted. Yeah. And so sometimes it's guilt, but mm-hmm. I think more often I just see they're, they're frustrated. They, for some people, they dream about it for a long time. This mm-hmm. is how I want it to be. And they get a vision. I wonder if you have thoughts on ways that you can set yourself up so that if you end up going down that flow chart mm-hmm. of choices, mm-hmm. you don't feel as let down. But at the same time, to allow yourself the space to be to feel like the loss that you have, even though you're excited about having a healthy baby. Yeah. Well, and that's interesting that you said that because I found that one of the most effective ways I can support a woman who had a birth that did not go as planned is first and foremost, letting her know that she can be upset about it. You know, because everybody's like, oh, but you have a healthy baby, so don't be upset. And everybody shuts down her emotions. With good intentions. With good intentions, of course. Everybody's trying to make her feel better. And and when I before I learned different techniques, I was saying that, you know, because of course, we're all coming from a good place. We want her to be happy. But what I do now with women that have that kind of experience is I create really specific um, containers for them to process those emotions. So sometimes I'll go and we'll do some hypnotherapy. Um, I give them journal exercises. I tell them, you know, find somebody to hold the baby for half an hour and you can go cry if you feel like it in a safe space. You know, so figuring out ways where they can release that emotion and process it without getting stuck in it, but also not just like shoving it down where, you know, it might manifest into postpartum blues or sometimes depression, you know, come out in other ways. So to find that that balance, you know, of not, again, being stuck, but but letting it out. That's really cool that you give them a tool, the hypnotherapy, to help themselves yeah. process and sort of go through the emotions naturally. Right. Um, yeah. And it's also neat that each of your chapters ends with a uh, hypnosis. Yeah, yes. That you get from the website. Yes. And bring all of your neat little elements in your tool belt <laughs> together. Yeah. In this project. Um, In the book, you talk about chakras. Yeah. (laughs) What is a chakra? Also fun to say. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I've heard, coming from Ojai, I've heard all different, you know, ideas about exactly what they are. But the way I think of them is, you know, energy centers in in different parts of your body and and recognizing that, you know, they, they all need to be nurtured and connected. And, you know, and I really use them a lot with birth if I have a woman that, you know, is having trouble finding her voice, you know, and can't express herself. And so we do a lot of work with like the throat chakra and and focusing on sending love to that area. Um, I have... Is this during birth? Yeah, I'll do hypnosis where, you know, I and, – and I can tell – I usually don't say, oh, you're not speaking up for yourself. Like, I, I don't hit it directly. <laughs> right, okay. I, like, really, like, you know, I, I just notice. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've become pretty good at, you know, reading moms. And so I'll say, oh, you know, let's try let's try this hypnosis. And, again, in this really kind of, like, abstract way, do some work, you know, with that throat chakra and, like, seeing, like, a, a light go to that area and <clears throat> seeing, seeing the light brighten, you know, ways to allow her to – to release that tension. Um, for me, you know, my my sacral chakra, that was something that I felt like was like really stagnant and I had a lot of tension. And um, when I feel stress, when I feel embarrassment, I feel like heaviness in my stomach. And so that's an area where I like when I do a meditation, I send a lot of a lot of love, a lot of light. Um, and yeah, so that's why I thought it was neat to just give a really basic overview of the, the chakras in the book um, with an emphasis on the sacral chakra. That's an area that gets, um, again, like stagnated is the best word I can think of when you're going through 
birth um, because so much is happening in that area of your body. Um, and then one of the favorite meditations that a lot of moms that I, I work with do, and this is in, in that chapter, in the sacral chakra chapter, is is just kind of moving, moving up your body and, and sending love and light to those those chakras. And um you know, you, I've had some dads like, well, that's like hippy dippy stuff, right? It's like, well, I mean, you can call it whatever you want, but it's really interesting, you know, when you do just tune into your body. I mean, it's really just your body and, and giving love and attention to, to different areas of your body. It must be so cool to have you as a doula. <laughs> Thank you. Because it just occurred to me as you were saying that, that you're <laughs> like a jukebox of customized meditations depending yeah. on what's going on in there yeah like we can yeah. have a playlist of 15 meditations <laughs> right but like you're creating them on the spot yeah. just for what they need she needs in that moment yeah. which is really cool yeah cool. thank you and also i need to get your secret one for getting rid of heaviness in the belly um but that's a separate <laughs> you got issue. it you got okay. it <laughs> And the sacral one speaks to me a lot, and I'm sure to Kristen mm-hmm. as well, because yeah, of the work that, that we do at birth sometimes, leading up to, hopefully, right. yeah. but releasing the sacrum and the pelvis and yeah. making it more functional so right, that absolutely. it can expand and let let the baby through smoothly. You talk a lot about energy in the book and yeah. making it like a sanctuary space or mm-hmm. holding space. Do mm-hmm. you find that people don't know what to do with that sometimes, or... Um, Because I know sometimes even with what we do, like, you know, talking about energy or even acupuncture, just energy seems to scare people sometimes. Yeah. No, absolutely. And and that's why I try to... oftentimes tied into their like emotions or physical sensations. So, you know, if we're talking about feng shui, I tell them walk, walk into a space and notice like how your body feels. Do your muscles tighten? Does your breath get shallow? You know, really like tune into what's actually happening in your body because it's being affected by the energy in the space. You know, you talked about walking into your home and when it's really cluttered, you feel more stressed out. When it's clean and clear, you can relax. You can, you can sleep better. You know, that to me is energy, the energy in the space, you know, and if it's a really like stagnant, chaotic energy, just like a birth space, you know, if you're birthing in a place where you don't feel like you can relax, where, you know, people are arguing, you know, the, this really uncomfortable energy is being created, your, your body responds. So that's how I, I try to get pretty much anybody to realize, oh, OK, this like energy or whatever you want to call it affects me in, in real ways. I'm just giggling because a few <laughs> weeks ago I was at a birth where uh, the dad was trying to be helpful at home birth uh-huh. and make snacks for people, but then he wasn't minding the popcorn in the microwave. Oh, no. <laughs> and so it burned, and the whole house smelled like burned popcorn. Yeah. And then she was just so mad. She's like, yeah. damn the popcorn! Why <laughs> yeah. did you burn the popcorn? Exactly. <laughs> the burned popcorn energy is the worst. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, aromas. I mean, I yeah. talk about, like, really tuning into your five senses, especially when you're creating a, a birth space in the hospital, home birth, wherever you are. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, what does it smell like? What, what do you taste in your mouth? Like, I've had moms, it's like, my mouth tastes so gross, I can't concentrate. It's like, okay, what can we do about that? You know, like, what are you hearing? The, the texture of your clothes, of the sheets, um, and aroma, too. You know, in the, in the hospital, I always, in any birth, but especially hospital births, I have my little essential oil diffuser mm. and uh, the essential oils and every time the nurses walk in they always say oh my god it's like a spa yeah, here and they that. relax yeah. it's really interesting it affects everybody it's like the it shifts the energy in the space if they want to come in yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe yeah. I'll just go back in there and yeah, check exactly. on her exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just wondering so do you work with the essential oils with uh, women also with you, when you do hypno Yeah, I do. I I wouldn't call myself an expert in it, but um, yeah, I do a lot of work with, um, you know, lavender and peppermint are are the favorites. Not burnt popcorn. Not not (laughs) the popcorn. I have not started working with that one yet. Yeah, Yeah, not popular. So for, for a lot of women, you know, um, depending on what they need, you know, if they're really feeling anxious and they need something that will calm them down, you know, we do work with like lavender oil, chamomile oil. If they need, if their if their energy is waning and they're really tired, we'll get out the the peppermint, the the orange blossom. Mm. Um, there's a really neat trick if you put if the mom's having trouble urinating, a few drops of the peppermint oil in the toilet bowl, and she just sits on it. It actually helps her go to the bathroom. Right. Yeah, That's so there's little interesting, interesting tricks. Yeah. Yeah, 
yeah, it's neat. I could have and used I, that. I wish I knew that when I because that was the I'll most uncomfortable what, for part. For everybody who me. listened all the way through the end of the podcast, yeah. there, there was go. just a big payoff. Yeah, thank yep. you. I know when I that teach it in my classes, be like, what? what? And it works. It's yeah. it's really interesting. So That's give it a great. try, ladies. <laughs> I, uh, uh, frankincense. I sometimes uh-huh. use it at a birth, and yeah. it, not everybody loves it because it's so earthy. But the people uh-huh. who do just feel so grounded. Exactly. When you pull yeah. it out. Yeah. There's so many wonderful tools with essential oils. Goodness. I could talk to you for hours. Yes. <laughs> so much, and I, I, I am a doula. I am a childbirth educator. I'm not a hypnobirther, uh-huh. feng shui, fun yeah. to say, but I've never studied it. <laughs> yeah. um, chakras a little bit. Uh-huh. I have a little bit of history there, but you have so much bundled up and like thank you. you're the way you share it is um, really receivable. So thank you for that. Oh, it's my pleasure. Um, it's an awesome book. It's called Feng Shui Mommy. Where do we find it online? You can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, all major bookstores, and on my website, baileygaddis.com. Well, we will look for you over there, and we'll also link it with the podcast. I want to thank Kristen very much for being here and sharing, because you really have that new mommy perspective that I lack. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And you've contributed greatly to the conversation. I hope you'll come back with us. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. Share us with your friends and visit us online for access to our blog, documentaries, and other pregnancy and parenting resources at informedpregnancy.com. This episode is sponsored by an innovative product that's made a big difference for parents and babies alike, Dr. Mom Butt Bomb. As a parent of four, I've had my fair share of battles with diaper rash, often resorting to thick, unpleasant pastes. I only recently discovered Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, and I was immediately impressed by its pleasant consistency and ease of application. This pediatric-approved skin protectant is free from dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, making it perfect for your baby's sensitive skin. It's designed by a doctor who's also a mom, ensuring your little one gets the gentlest care. A small dab is all it takes to soothe and protect, avoiding the mess and hassle of traditional treatments. With ingredients like dimethicone and petrolatum, Dr. Mom Butt Bomb not only soothes, but also restores your baby's delicate skin. Available on Amazon.com and Walmart.com, it's the smart choice for every parent wanting to keep diaper rash at bay. Remember, with Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, nothing comes between you and your baby. Not even diaper rash.